This is a Federal News Network podcast. Yogi Berra would have gotten it wrong when it comes to the space surrounding Earth. It's gotten so popular, people are still flocking there. It raises serious questions, though. Which federal agency should take charge of space traffic management? Congress couldn't figure that one out, so it hired the National Academy of Public Administration. For what NAPA concluded, we turned to NAPA study fellow and former NASA administrator, Sean O'Keefe. Sean, it's been a while, but it's good to have you back. Well, thanks, Tom. Nice to be with you as well. And let's start with the scope of this study. I mean, what were you trying to find out here? Because uh, there were four agencies, I guess, in contention for designation as the main traffic controller for space. Well, I think that's that's one way to, to look at it. It's more a circumstance of someone has to take charge, as it were, of the full range of space situation awareness and some semblance of management of objects that are being launched in space. The market is picking up so dramatically now that it's getting to be pretty crowded up there. So the opportunity to uh, avoid collisions, debris damage, you name it, any number of factors that can go into this is really getting pretty uh, precarious at this point. So trying to figure out what is the best organization within the federal expanse to coordinate, to integrate all the capability that the federal government has across the board was the mission we were handed. And are we talking about low Earth orbit, high Earth orbit, or everything in between? Very dominantly low Earth orbit. Think, you know, 225 to 300 miles off the surface of the Earth. That is the the sweet spot, if you will, for where an awful lot of the satellites and other space objects typically navigate because of its optimum kind of conditioning from gravitational position of the Earth, as well as just the physics of what uh, and orbital mechanics and what make it work so well. Sure. And is there DOD assets there as well as civilian and weather and so on? Uh, yes. Lots of different international participants that are there as well. Not too many years ago, a couple decades back, there was basically two dominant players who got to space. Now it's at least a half a dozen and growing. Plus the commercial aspect. Well, nation states that have the capacity to do so, then in turn the commercial folks that are expanding who then use that infrastructure in order to to access that. Yes. And actually, let's get to the conclusion of the report. Who should be the lead agency here? The the best coordinator with the greatest reach to all the constituencies – and that has the capacity, at least at its foundational level right now, is the Department of Commerce and its Office of Space Commerce. So there is a, there's a strong motivation on the part of the industry to really understand the precision of exactly what's up there, where should they be operating, and how to go about doing so in a more risk-assured means to do so, to mitigate that. So that has all the motivation in the world to to really gravitate to the the Commerce Department for that role. Plus, they have the reach to the State Department, the Defense Department, the FAA, NASA, and within their own National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, the NOAA capacity that's there too. So they've got a pretty good connectivity with all those different enterprises on a regular basis. And just briefly, what was the methodology that the study group for NAPA used to come to that conclusion? Well, we weighted four agencies, Commerce, Office of Space, Commerce, the uh, NASA Enterprise, the, uh, the Department of Defense, and the FAA, all four of which have had some 
engagement, if you will, in space situation awareness as well as space traffic management to some degree or another. And so evaluating their capabilities, their willingness, their interest in engaging on this particular case, their capacity to interact with those emerging commercial partners, all the other factors that went into this. We weighted all that on an evaluative scale and the Commerce Department's uh, option came out most favorably. We're speaking with Sean O'Keefe, the former administrator of NASA and study fellow now for the National Academy of Public Administration. And just what are some of the challenges? There's a lot of objects up there. I think most people would conclude that because they're orbiting, they're moving at the same direction and the same speed. So what are some of the issues that need to be managed in space? And then we'll get into how you do that. The precision of awareness of where they are. Right now, it's okay, but it's, you know, Okay is not okay <laughs> as in this particular circumstance when you're dealing with a very expensive and in some cases like the International Space Station people aboard. So that's going to change as well. The more you get into uh, space tourism that's being promoted by some companies, all kinds of things, this becomes a rather hazardous Wild West kind of atmosphere that's growing because, uh, as you mentioned up front, the number of companies that are engaging now and getting into launching a wide array of satellite constellations, if you will, is now projected to be looking in the range of at least 1,100 per year new objects being launched to space. And right now we've got kind of a wide band precision of figuring out exactly where some of those objects are actually orbiting that is wider than it should be. It needs to be a much greater level of precision to understand where it is. And you're right, everything travels at roughly 17,500 miles an hour just by virtue of the condition of where the operations take place. And it does vary based on size and so forth, but it nonetheless is in that general span. But not having an idea of exactly where something is with the accuracy of what we'd see, for example, in civil aviation transportation around the earth right now. So, sure. yeah, there's a there's a plane up there somewhere over off to the right. Just watch out for it. No, that, that that's a level of precision that would be too precarious for anybody to want to engage in. Probably the best analogy is to think more of a maritime kind of analog, of having an awareness of where different shipping lanes are, who's in that shipping lane now, and the amount of time it takes and actually to adjust the maneuvering of a ship is roughly comparable to the amount of time it would take in order to have any influence over changing the general direction of a space asset. It is a really hard procedure. But that raises a lot of questions because one, everything up there would have to have the ability to broadcast and state where it is, and then it would also have the ability to be maneuvered. I would think, and do they all have that, those capabilities, and who would decide who moves where? Is that something that you envision the Commerce Department doing or simply being an advisory and telling SpaceX that your satellite's about to bump into XYZ from China and you guys figure it out? Very much the latter. This becomes a, <laughs> your call. <laughs> if you, if you, think, you want to stay on that path, it's up to you. You, you do it. It's the idea of trying to be a international controller of assets up there is just going to be a long shot. I mean, this has got to be a coalition of not just the willing, it's got to be a coalition of those with a self-interest to avoid uh, problems here. And that's a pretty powerful motivator all by itself. 
you know, the theory is that that ought to, ought to work its way through. And if we waited around to try to get consensus on an international scale, this would probably be a very long wait because it just takes that much time to pass through all the wickets to accomplish that. Instead, let's base this on the proposition that there's a motivation on the part of nation states as well as individual commercial firms to avoid the disasters that otherwise would routinely happen. And is the expectation that the nations that own and operate assets in space and the companies that do, any organization, would then be willing to subscribe to the data that is put out? Basically, it would be a data service, it sounds like. And that in their self-interest, they would say, why not listen to what they're telling us? That's not a bad way of looking at it. It also is one where there really needs to be some interaction with all those constituencies to make them more aware of how to access this and which information capacities are going to be of the greatest precision. You still have to coordinate the launch and re-entry dates for everything. So the FAA is going to continue to have a very instrumental role in that regard to assure safeguard of the uh, civil transportation in the airspace around the Earth right now. So all those different coordination factors and integration of assets and capabilities and having a direct relationship with each of the individual players who want to operate there, either nationally or through uh, commercial interest, is going to be the real trick that they have to perform. And unrelated, as a former NASA administrator, former U.S. budget official, former many-job holder, you must have been excited when earlier this year the NASA contracted the ability to launch people into space again from the United States, bring them back safely. Commercial contractor, a lot of new things, a lot of old-looking things, but that must have been quite a sight. It's a great achievement, and it's one that is a testimony to a lot of hard work. I mean, the whole strategy layout of that approach of trying to turn over routine and regular transit back to the International Space Station for crew return, cargo capabilities on the station, and logistics resupply, and so forth. The whole strategy of that was laid out you know, 15 years ago, and the initial efforts to really get that underway were launched in earnest a decade ago. So it takes time for all those things to come to be. And so much of what the commercial companies have done have evolved over that span that now we're in a position to take advantage of that on a very direct way to have, the again, those routine resupply kinds of missions be accommodated by commercial interests. That's what they do best always. And that frees up NASA for the exploration objectives that it was founded for. And that's what they're after. They're looking at Artemis and all these other programs for going beyond this that now gets them out of the one-over-one routine, you know, operations kind of things and more into the activity of deep space exploration. Sean O'Keefe is former administrator of NASA and study fellow for the National Academy of Public Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure to be with you as always. We'll post this interview along with the NAPA findings at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Launch the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at Grifflesplasma.com. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.